0: Welcome, everybody. Roll up your sleeves, grab your pens and papers, and get ready to take notes. My name is Frank Taylor, and this is Let's Be Frank. Well, thank you for joining me on Let's Be Frank about real estate investing. Uh, It's been um, a little bit of work to be able to make the time I need to uh, get some podcast uh, segments uh, completed as I promised Uh, and um, one of the things uh, that my mind how my mind works is that I need to learn everything there is about anything that I do so I've actually been the one that's um, been now recently actually um, doing everything uh, producing and editing and all that stuff Uh, Just because um, of what's happening right now globally and how things are so fluid and dynamic, I want to be able to quickly, um, you know, get uh, segments out as fast as possible uh, when possible. However, with that said, uh, I would not be here uh, without um, the help of um, Todd uh, from podcast experts. And so if anybody is ever looking... To um, do a podcast or get involved in anything like this, I highly recommend that you look them up for sure. And uh, also, uh, I have some good news. One of the things that I've been learning, uh, you can teach an old dog some new tricks every once in a while, is um, how to, um, I know it's going to sound silly, but uh, share screen. So for those who are listening uh, by way of through the podcast syndications, Unfortunately, uh, though I will be as detailed as possible, I will be uh, referencing um, many different um, charts and, and graphs and different uh, data segments uh, visually, um, which you're only going to be able to uh, watch and uh, really view uh, through my YouTube channel. So now I get to blackmail you on um not only following and uh, liking and hitting uh, the notification button on uh, any of my uh, segments um, but uh, really sometimes especially now uh, to be able to support uh, some of the things that i'm uh, suggesting and providing uh, there's uh, critical data uh, that needs to be reviewed so Uh, I have learned uh, how to finally do some of that. Usually, I know that most know uh, or taught, uh, but uh, no, not me. So um, I'm getting there. And over and above that, I have some more good news, and that is that uh, eventually, when I do have time, I'm also going to be able to take a lot of the um, uh, pictorial information that I have uh, on, that I've done on some, some of my really cool historical restorations in, um, in the multi-res uh, segment. And for those that are so inclined uh, on restorations or renovations or uh, rebuilding properties for the purpose of uh, rental, um, they may be uh, segments um, that you may enjoy. Again, um, those ones specifically though, I'll just, I'll be able to, um, I'll release on the YouTube channel Let's be frank about real estate investing. And um, and, uh, and then you'll be able to see. What I'll do is I'll be able to go through before and during and after. And then I'll be able to go in detail as to why I um, do things the way that I do. Uh, but it's always with uh, long-term keep and hold. Uh, and it is uh, designed specifically to have, um, you know, um, for the, the services uh, that can be provided. Always uh, siren systems going off every time I do. That's what happens when you live in downtown Toronto, the minute that I start to record. Anyway, we'll see if I can edit that out. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'll be able to go through the pictorials and um, you kind of see and get a mindset. But again, I designed for, um, you know, giving services uh, the best of uh, to uh, my tenant base and or for clients when they uh, hired me to help them uh, design and completely lay out a whole new um, system for uh, their rentals. So some may be very interested in that. Again, you're going to have to like and you're going to have to hit that notification uh, button, um, blackmail. Hey, listen, uh, sometimes uh, that's the only way to go. So um, with that said, uh, on my uh, previous uh, segment and on many others, I've talked about all different uh, things um, that could unfold and that may affect the market. And um, those may, um, may or may not agree with my, um, my position Um, But my position now is not going to change and uh, I will be able to uh, support it uh, by fact uh, and uh, through historical data and uh, simply just, you know, know, most are going to know um, that at minimum uh, something uh, is definitely uh, coming down the pipe. So um, more good news is that uh, my career began. Uh, when the market actually uh, kind of was just beginning and it was booming. and then uh, down the drain it went and the market completely uh, did a 180. And um, but I was able to succeed. And so you know, for all investors and and you know anybody that wants to get in the market, um, you know, there is a segment of individuals, even you know obviously people who perhaps want to get into investing but just haven't found um, it to be a logical step investment wise just because the numbers um, don't make sense. and and I'm here to tell you they haven't made sense for a long time and you know and I'm not the only one uh, that's had that uh, perception. Um, you know, one thing that's important to know is that, Uh, People uh, that are in the game in a very serious way, um, whether they're large institutional uh, asset management firms, um, many have been uh, actually selling off uh, uh, some of their assets, shoring themselves up. Um, But the assets that um, either were going to be um, just huge undertaking, uh, when you get into big asset uh, allocations that have underground parking areas and uh, elevator systems. Um, It's a huge undertaking if you've got an older uh, asset that uh, really needs to be fully upgraded and or uh, perhaps uh, you are located uh, in the downtown area, in a uh, metropolitan area, And you're competing now with all the high tech um, smart building um, uh, buildings that are now rentals uh, because many people uh, that are starting in the business are purchasing uh, condominiums as an investment model as a first step. So, um, for those, uh, we're going to get into so many things because what I'm going to do on this segment is I'm actually going to dive into everything. Uh, As promised in my last show. And, um, you know, for those who haven't heard my previous shows or any of that and want to know more about me, um, do it. And uh, also, if you, you know, just Google my name, Frank Taylor, and all that you want to know is going to come up. So uh, I'm easy uh, to find. Uh, However, um, what I am not going to do is, um, you know, I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain how markets work and how the dynamics work and all of that. Um, but, you know, to be a success, um, you only learn that one way and that's sometimes uh, by uh, doing it yourself. And um, so, you know, they say a the definition of an expert is if you've done something and you've got, you know, say 10,000 hours or more, well, I have over 100 thousand hours uh, doing this. So I don't know what I'd be classified as, but I can tell you, um, you know, I am more than qualified. I didn't just uh, own assets and uh, investment properties. I, I sold them, I bought them, I rebuilt them, I managed them. Um, And so now I have a consulting business and that's my business and uh, I've designed it also to be uh, incredibly uh, cost effective. Um, And there are also going to be many segments uh, within the industry um, that also may not agree with my, um, you know, my position and, you know, um, Because everyone has an interest, right? So if there's people who do courses and or, you know, memberships and all that kind of stuff and, you know, join me and all that kind of stuff, coach, 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 nothing wrong with it. Fantastic model. I mean, really, I've never seen so much interest in investment real estate as I have, um, you know, in the last 15 years. Uh, which is fantastic, and that in itself has been able to provide for great wealth for many. There's nothing wrong with it. But you're going to see, and I'm going to be able to uh, prove to you, um, that um, much of the models and much of the systems um, that uh, have been taught um, for many, many, many years that apply to investors and even real estate agents there's real estate agents that are brokers now that um really have only known one type of market and so um you know i'm going to be able to provide insights and direction and you know more so what you need to be looking for be paying attention to um so that you can make smart uh decisions and you know, if you are an individual uh, that has purchased, um, you know, recently or in the past and your goal uh, was to keep it for long term and hold, don't worry about, um, you know, what may unfold, uh, because as long as, you know, you're you were in the game long term, um, you'll have nothing, nothing to worry about, um, you know, uh, as you'll see, as I will show you, um, you know, what goes up. Can come way down, and but uh, historically, uh, you'll see that it also goes back up and then some. Um, that's just uh, historical fact. And so, as long as your plan's been long term, um, that's wonderful. Um, for those uh, that have, many probably have bought properties and expected a specific type of return. Um, you know, probably did your due diligence and maybe thought you had asked all the right questions, um, but realized that, you know, the actual cost of operating and or the income and let's say your your net return isn't what you thought it was going to be. You know, those are the things I can help uh, anybody with. Um, You know, that's kind of fundamentally um, um, what I do. Um, You know, I am... I guess you could say when it comes to this industry, uh, a problem solver, but um, an, an advisor to many and those who are even, um, you know, very experienced in it because they just want to have an outside perspective uh, and idea. So um, I do back up uh, what I have to say. And um, although I'm not professing to be the all-knowing one, um, I know a little bit and, uh, and I've got experience in all levels in every area um, that gives me the confidence uh, to be able to speak uh, without worry or reserve. And um, in in getting back to what I was just referencing, you know, anyone who's invested in the industry. So I'll give you an example. When I was a realtor, nobody wanted to talk about the market going, uh, you know, you know, having issues or possibility of issues or problems because that. You know, if if you had a buyer that uh, that is um, you know apprehensive because maybe the market m- might turn, that's going to affect your bottom line. Um, I get it, been there. Um, unfortunately, I was the type to say you know maybe it's best to hold, um, which wasn't always at all in my uh, financial interest, but was just kind of how I rolled. Um, but you know, in every market, um, there's always lots of opportunities and opportunities that uh, one may never be able to really fathom Um, but it's a different, um, it's a different approach, it's also, um, you know, um, you have to be able to know what to look for uh, and what to and how to go about looking um, in order to be able to tap into uh, those types of um, situations that may present themselves and uh, may unfold as time goes on. Uh, However, you know, all those that, you know, might be out there that um, they don't want, you know, they don't want the music to stop. uh, And I get it. I understand it. um, But, you know, you got to be realistic. And I'm going to be able to show statistically and through fact that, you know, um, there's only so much time um, that, you know, the big bubble can just keep on blowing up and um and then affecting um you know eventually there's going to be an adjustment and with what's happening right now uh, in the market um, we are going to absolutely see um uh, inflation spike uh really in many ways uncontrollably last time i uh my last podcast which i did a, like a week ago um oil spiked uh for a brief moment at 100 and Thirty, forty dollars dollars a barrel. Uh, now it's, uh, it's we're going to go to that now. I'm going to start talking about this stuff. This is, where right now it starts to get fun. So I'm going to go to my screen share. And, uh, oops. All right. Uh, so uh, what I've also done is, I think what's important um, when we look at everything, we're going to look at historical data, right? It's not just, now it's kind of what's happened uh over a period of time and then the dynamics that were involved in all of that so um i, pu- I pulled up some charts i've put some work into this um and uh, so on the charts you're you're going to see basically where we are uh right now today so um this is uh current as current gets i think uh, we are going to see we are right now in the um Uh, crude oil prices, and I've done a historical chart. Um, So this one, yeah, this one was updated as of March 11th, and crude was at 109. I think it's 112 today. Um, But one of the things that we need to understand is that oil, obviously the cost of gas, as I went through it in in my last uh, episode, is absolutely interlinked, and it is layered in so many ways. So, you know the cost of oil to ship the actual raw product you know obviously increases and that goes to the manufacturer and then it's then shipped again you know how many times the layers are within the beginning of a product from raw source to the end result to the consumer every time the uh, cost of inflated with gasoline in this case and transportation um that is multiplied in each step, and then it ends up getting to you know us in the final stage. And I don't know what if you've all noticed is that you know when oil hits these record highs, almost within hours or within a day, um, the gas price change and jumps. Uh, however, what um, many may observe is that it certainly does not go down. Uh, when the price of crude drops, it sticks up there. And I've always felt that that, um, I know, I, you know, I almost, uh, you know, I, there's, it just doesn't make sense logically how it can immediately go up to the levels that it does and uh, then go down. Um, but what's important to look is historical data and One of the most important parts is when it specifically we talk about inflation and how that can affect is that um, you can see through basically all of the uh, 50s and all through the 60s that the cost of barrel relatively stayed, you know, um, in this case in the 20s and and I think it went into the 30s uh, a barrel. And then in um, 1973, we had the uh, oil crisis and oil just shot up and uh, thus by shooting up so dramatically uh, caused a major spike in inflation, um, which had a dramatic impact. And we're going to discuss those impacts on in other charts as I go through them. But it's relevant today because when we do have uh, oil, which was So let's just say, um, let's just go right now to the chart. Um, We are in, I think it was April of uh, this year. I think oil was down to, um, well, we went down to $22 a barrel, if you remember at the beginning of COVID. Um, But it was around $56 a barrel. So you know, we're now well over a hundred and fifty six dollars. So if you looking at the charts, I think if you look at a similarity and this is what I'm going to want to try and point through in all of the information is I want you to see, I want to see if you see for yourselves um, any similarities uh, in these uh, times in relation uh, to the past. And thus what happened historically um, Uh, due to those ramifications. So big uh, spike in the 70s. Inflation went completely out of control. Uh, And then things started to come down um, and uh, eventually uh, get to a point where gas uh, started to be reasonable again uh, back in the uh, uh, mid-80s, which, as you'll see, also correlates with real estate uh, going up. Um, uh, starting to improve. It it's all correlated, and and I'll reference that all back and forth when we go uh, through these charts. But um, here we go again uh, through the chart, and this is when you know I just started getting into the game, and voila, you know I get into the game in 1990, and what a lucky time for me. And that spike. Let's see if I can get that number. I think it shot immediately back up again. So that's another indication uh, of pricing. And you can see that it's gone up dramatically. And then lo and behold, uh, that basically sets out uh, the 1990 uh, recession. And um, what happens is, and as many would know, in a, a big uh, recession, you know, people don't spend money, they don't, you know, go out, they're not doing as much, they're not driving around as much. Um, so then all of a sudden, when uh, there's not as much demand, lo and behold, magically, um, you know, these prices drop. So I mean, there's got to understand there's just people will take advantage of profitability whenever they can. Um, but when people retract, or, you know, populations and mass retract, then they just discount it and get it back out there again so it becomes uh, affordable so um i think i'm what i'm going to do on this series by the way i'm not gonna be able to stick uh to uh, the segments of you know 30 minutes so i'm going to do this whole thing in its entirety and then i will then break it up as promised into uh, shorter segments and uh, then we'll work to try and release them all so that uh, if anyone wants to, you know, sit back and chew it all, um, you'll be able to listen to them and or if you want to break it up, you're um, you're more than happy to. And then all these links uh, that I'm referencing specifically, um, I will then include at the bottom of um, each podcast and on YouTube so that you can check out uh, the information uh, for yourself. So... So again, this is really kind of sh- to just to show um, just some spikes that are very relevant and are very very important but are you know can be and are uh, interrelated with um, uh, inflationary levels if they're sustained and sustained is this period. So if you can see 1970 all the way through to, uh, mid 1985. Um, that's a long period of time. Okay. And also just so I'm clear when I talk about that slow motion car accident, as I did in my previous, um, uh, podcast, that's because, you know, when things begin to change and start to occur, it, you know, it, Everything, it's like that. Like I said, it's the rock in this case, the rock in the water, and then the splash, and it's the ripple effect. But all of that takes time, right, to get to shore. Um, so that really fundamentally uh, is my point. So, um, my next chart, which is going to be also very important um, because, you know, there are going to be those uh, individuals, and rightfully so who are gonna say, well, interest rates can't go up because the Canadian government, look at this chart, good old uh, Justin Trudeau. Um, so here we are, you can see our uh, the Canadian government debt uh, as of uh, we're in 2022 and uh, this is trading economics um, and this is stats uh, based on all information that's provided by the government. Um, we are. We have literally, by the way, it looks almost tripled. Uh, not not quite. Seven twenty one thirty six last year, um, but we were at six uh, six seventy one billion, um, and we are now at a thousand forty eight. Um, that's what happens when you print money uh, that you do not have, and that is what happened during COVID. Um, we started as a government, um, literally providing an income for any individual, including kids that weren't working before. And I know that personally because I know lots of people who had kids that were collecting this. And also people who, you know, uh, weren't working ever before um, and perhaps were stay-at-home. Everybody And the other problem was, it was that major companies were also subsidized for their uh, wages when they were already still making billions of dollars. So just absolutely ludicrous. But uh, one point I want to also show is that uh, interrelated right now is that the 10-year bond yield is at a three-year high. Uh, Bonds are always uh, interrelated with interest rates. However, um, you know, the one thing that you know people pay atten- attention to with the three-year bonds is that you know people who really want to be super safe and or you know provide some surety and a foundation uh, they will go to ten-year bonds. And the reason that ten years the magic number is that when times become uncertain, uh, it's been proven um, many times over that it takes at least ten years for the the cycle um, to be able to for You to get out of it, so um, so that just gives you an idea of where we stand, uh, as a government. And I'm going to show you some other stats that are just going to blow your mind because, um, if this stuff doesn't show you, uh, you know, and that we are in trouble, um, and and we're in trouble, uh, coast to coast, and we are very uh, unique in the world, as you'll see, this next chart is uh, you know, our debt as individual citizens uh, to GDP. And uh, we are blowing everyone out of the water, everybody. Canada is number one. We are number one in overall household debt. Uh, we are number one in non-financial corporate debt, and we are number one in government debt. And our numbers are absolutely stratif- stratospheric uh, compared to all of these, the, uh, not just the G7, um, but I mean, just look <laughs> look at this South Africa and Greece. And yeah, that's, um, we are right now in a situation that um, is not good. Um, we are not in a great uh, fiscal health situation nationally. Uh, federally, provincially. Uh, and as far as household debt is concerned, I mean, we just got all cozy. You know, many of the younger people moved back home and saved rent. And uh, we went on a buying spree. Um, so, you know, personal items and household items and then buying homes and renovations and all of that, which is which is great. But it's not great when it's debt, right? So uh, the, these are all factual numbers. I'll give you the link and you can take a look at it, but this is all really important for you to uh, digest. And I apologize for those um, that are listening by podcast. I'm just going to highlight um, so that right now we're just looking at some charts right now and um, it is showing basically levels of uh, our debt to GDP. And um, there's not a country that's even close to Canada. Um, We are way over um way 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 over we're 80 percent uh right now Uh, second highest is japan and um japan by the way is a great country to talk about with regards to what happened with their economy when they didn't address or do anything um, with regards to inflation and um, by not addressing inflation, meaning by, let's say, people want to take the attitude that interest rates can't go up and adjustments can't be made on that on that front, you only need to look at Japan and the whole last, I think it's 25, 30 years um, of what happened to their economy and stagflation and uh, how that affected everything. And to this day, still, they haven't recovered. Um, so there are things that need to be addressed and um you know so i get many will say well you know the canadian government can't afford um to be able to increase rates because they can't afford their debt and that's a but trust me um you know all the rules are thrown out and uh governments can make whatever rule change they want into law because they're the government so um you know hold on and buckle in uh, because, you know, the rules that you, you know, say that we have to abide by as people doesn't mean that's what the government uh, has to do. You only have to look at the inflation charts and understand that, you know, they can change the rules and the guidelines and and it's law and it is the way it is and economists report based on those rules and guidelines. But, you know, um, you know, if they take out things that are, you know, spiking inflation then they're going to then insert other items that are under government control and we live in canada and canada is a country that in many ways there's so many different things that we as a government um provide funding for to keep pricing down and cost effective so then then those producers of whatever um can then be competitive um both on a global um Level And on the Canadian level. So here's another chart also um, that just kind of shows uh, where we are as far as the Canadian household debt to GDP is. Um, And this information uh, is also provided all through uh, StatsCan and uh, through uh, different uh, financial institutions. And um, so it's all fact based. However, um, you know one thing that we need to be aware of is that our situation in Canada um, is not necessarily the same as it is in the United States. The United States is not in a good position, um, but they've got a you know far larger population. They have they are just a behemoth, an industrialized behemoth, and um, so we aren't in comparison. But when our numbers are out. Stratospheric uh, in relation to the United States. So um, this, unfortunately, by the way, one of the things I found very difficult is it's almost impossible to find anything that's you know really super up to date. Um, historical data is um, easy to find going way back, but to get it kind of to be present uh, is almost impossible, and obviously because of Um, However, sometimes these numbers then also can uh, be, um, let's just say, certain reports that normally come out, say in February, all of a sudden don't. Uh, Don't ask me why, but that's kind of how it is. But um, when you look at Canada and the United States, um, you know, over since uh, 1980, um, we were basically on the same playing field uh, with regards to our uh, household debt to GDP. And then uh, you'll see that basically Canada um, was just the United States. I'm sorry, um, became kind of a a steady uh, incline. And because of that incline um, and because we obviously rely on the Americans, um, we began to eventually uh, our economy started to uh, do well. Uh, And then you're going to see that um, through this through 19... 91, 92, we basically um, were on the same level field, which was about 60%. And then as we've traversed through time, uh, you can see that um, we both kind of hit almost the same similarity with regards to overall debt Um, just after the 2009 adjustment, 2008 system. Uh, where their markets started really uh, being adjusted overall as far as real estate was uh, concerned. And you can see how they declined dramatically. Uh, They needed to absolutely get their fiscal house in order. Uh, Again, this is personal household debt, but people were losing their homes and all different types of things. And so you can see that they uh, definitely made some adjustments. But Canada just has continued to go up and up and up and up. and so what these numbers are telling us is that a huge percentage of our population has an exorbitant amount of debt. And that includes mortgages, which is really fundamentally what we were seeing. Um, you know, the good times started to roll, uh, although I'll show you some charts with regards to the Canadian real estate market. And we had a bit of a dip during that time frame. The dip was not dramatic. And so, you know, we weren't really as affected anywhere near as close as the United States uh, were um, with regards to real estate. And so um, the good times really started uh, to roll. But, you know, they really, uh, you'll see that, you know, the steady eddy really started to hit. Um, We'll start seeing a dramatic shift upwards um, on both sides uh, starting in 2000, right? So uh, it's just interesting for us to basically pay attention that, you know, we, for the last 20 years, and I've mentioned this, there's been, you know, when I reference some of my past podcasts that, you know, we've got, you know, a huge segment of the population that's really known nothing but good times in many ways. Um, this is fa- this is based on fact. Um, you can basically see that uh, you know at at fourth quarter of 2000 um, we start to go you know both countries start to go good time charlie um, and the american real estate market was going crazy until the adjustment occurred uh, so that's uh interesting um you know w- what's also important too and i'm it's very hard to find uh historical uh data but you know there are people that are like well there's they can't even fathom uh, interest rates being above 5% or 6%. Um, So I just basically um, pulled some historical data on, um, uh, and I wasn't able to get it through CMHC, and I tried. Um, But um, this information, I mean, uh, it gives you an idea that, you know, basically you had your your variable rate and your fixed rate in 1975 was 11.5% um you know and that kind of traveled up and down um and then lo and behold um you know it hit 14.5 percent in 1980 and again that is it again is when you've got situations occurring where you've got a dynamic time frame through the 70s in which um you know inflation is out of control they constantly have an owner to deal with it was just increasing, increasing interest rates until they could get, you know, basically uh, an adjustment in uh, overall spending. So you can see that in the seventies in 1975, 11%, 12%, 10, and then it really starts to jump. And, um, you know, 81 was 18.13, five-year rate was 18.13, you know, crazy. 1982 was 19.25. So, you know, we'll scroll down and, you know, you'll see that kind of, there'll be a similarity that, you know, things start coming down. So you can see a huge spike of 18% in 1981. And then it starts to drop in 82. It's only 19.25. In 83, it's 13.5. 84, it's 13.5. And then it drops all the way down to 11.75, 11.75 and 85. And I'll show you stats in the real estate side in Canada. That's when, you know, uh, that people thought, oh my gosh, because they're used to such high rates, now's the time to buy. And then a spending spree went on uh, in Canada, in, in Ontario, I can speak of. Um, because I was uh, part of that and, and lived through that. And that's the time frame in which I first started buying. Um, so then all of a sudden now, these are all 11.75, 11.25. They all seem like great rates. Everybody jumps uh, into the market. And then just around 1989, you're going to see in other charts that um, the real estate prices um, started you know, ballooning, um, uh, everything is relative then they started to increase the rates and then in 1990 uh, the gulf war broke out and uh, 13.25 hello and then all of a sudden that is a dramatic change and then as we go through the 90s you'll see again because the economy is retracting uh, terribly that they have got to begin um, the process of dropping those rates to try and stimulate and this is really where we start to see um, the beginning of dramatic decreases continually all the way through up until all 2000, almost every single year, there's dramatic decreases, you know, 1.2 point downward though. And so it just gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until now we're currently at 479 Variable rates at uh, 2.15, but you know I these aren't factual because we all know that there were variable rates at 1.75. These are medium average. These are all varied, Um, but you definitely get to see the picture on how the market basically responds, and then by stimulating um, with you know what is considered, uh, not by most younger but by by any standard, you can see that you know all of a sudden the interest rates start to decline, and in correlation to that, the the real estate uh, market starts to balloon. So, um, so this is basically um, just kind of some charts to show you how relevant the recession and the, and how slow the recovery was in the '90s, and 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 again, it tries to back up my um, point of that. You know, variable mortgage always stay on a variable. Even if you can ride the wave through even turbulent times on a variable mortgage, it's been proven over the last 50 years that variable mortgage are the best mortgages to have. However, for those who really want to have, um, you know, that sense of security uh, and knowing that sometimes it can take 10 years or so, they some will be able to take advantage of 10-year rates um if that is something that they decide to do but you know getting locked into a five-year term or renegotiating right now for a five-year term um I don't know if it's going to be the best advice um you know I'm not telling you not to do it but um you know I am definitely going to say that you know some food for thought variable is always a safe way to go Yes, you can go up with the spike and you're going to have to live with it, Um, but in the end, long term, it always ends up being the best rate for you to have. So this uh, chart basically kind of outlines, and this is, um, you know, building uh, permits and condominium construction. Um, But what's really important to see is that, you know, unfortunately, I could only get back to the 1992 here, Um, but... You know, you can see basically the market, uh, you know, the amount of units uh, in, you know, row condominium apartment. This is kind of the chart that we've got here. Uh, units uh, per thousand. So at the time, you can see in 1992, we were at zero, right? Very little construction uh, at all uh, with regards to the 90s and, um with regards to right up until 2014, and and I don't know how they define a double condominium. What does that mean? Um, you know, I think um, are we are we talking about a duplex? Um, because they were very revel. They they were standard. You know, you could get actually get pre constructed duplexes and triplexes, um, which I think I, th- I think that we really need to change our um, you know our planning and allow for more neighborhoods of triplexes and fourplexes so that, you know, people can get into the market and then help offset and provide more housing, Um, which is really, in the end, the private sector is the answer uh, with regards to providing housing, but planning has to change. Um, But, you know, what's important is that you can see here that um, in basically, you know, the 2000s, You can see that the spike occurred uh, with regards to new building permits and really uh, fundamentally uh, hasn't stopped. Uh, Peaked uh, in again at the 2000 when the market adjustment crash happened. Um, And this is building permits. Okay, So remember, you get a building permit, takes a, a long while for that permit then to turn into a finished product. But for a two-year period, there was an adjustment and slowdown, and I will admit that probably uh, new construction uh, was definitely affected. Um, But that doesn't mean necessarily that prices were affected. And I've got some other charts that'll show you that Uh, nothing, nothing like the states. But you know, so then here we are, basically at 2009, and Baluno, you know, grab your straps, and you know the chart. And that's 2014, and I can assure you, it's just gone up and up and up. Um, so that is absolutely something um, that it at least is uh, worthy of notice and taking a look at. Um, this next chart, StatsCan uh, Canada, and uh, is going to be one in which you know here we are again. Um, you know we're looking at different recessionary times. Um, and you know, if you notice the increments, so the you know, there was a recession in the sixties to sixty-one, uh, and then and then there was a recession in 74 to 75. It's funny, they only keep them always uh within a year. Um, but I can tell you the nineties was an entire time frame of contraction. They they basically uh mentioned the nineteen ninety recession, ninety one, but it lasted almost a decade. Um, But, you know, here we are, we can kind of see that there were adjustments, and during these time frames, these adjustments, um, and this is basically uh, another chart that talks about um, dwelling, single family dwelling in this case, and uh, multifamily dwelling, um, that there, you know, during the 90s through that whole time frame, so you can see where 1990 began, and then basically you can see there was just a giant um in a huge mammoth time frame of 12 years um that is significant and worthy of taking note and then the market took off again uh in the 2000s and then of course during 2008 2009 dropped uh and then uh, took off and hasn't looked back and so Um, You know, for those who are paying attention to the terms and the times, um, you know, it seems to be that, you know, that in the past, there was always some form of adjustment every 10 or so years. And then after the 2000 time period, and basically since, and although they say there was a recession, I, I guess um as far as real estate was concerned it wasn't really other than the market slowing down which was absolutely no question um the market did slow down um, absolute but it didn't get uh, dramatic in any way um so um something to at least uh review when you go to the podcast you'll be able to take a look at these uh, charts for yourselves so uh, again, basically, it's another chart with regards. To this is all stats can uh, information and, um, you know, what's worthy. So we're going to focus here basically on uh, single family. Um, and we're also going to be uh, looking at the chart blue and purple. And uh, so we can kind of see again in 19, 1990 where it just went down as a cavern and really didn't start going back up. You can see it begins again in 2000 and just keeps on going. And then of course there was the adjustment in 2008, and then we see a continuation. So here we go. So basically um, this is the um, housing price index. Um, This is for Canada only. Uh, So, you know, some of the areas that we need to focus on, the two big ones here that seem to be like really jumping off the bandwagon are um, uh, Toronto and, of course, Vancouver. However, you know, it's the first time um, that I can ever recall that all markets, coast to coast, small towns, big towns, um, everywhere, um, have all really uh, done substantially well. Um, you know, I've never seen that. Normally you get the GTA area that does well in certain, you know, bigger uh, markets. But, you know, rural communities and or smaller towns, um, you know, these were areas that were just steady at east. They kind of either kind of just stayed steady or they went down a little bit or they'd go up a bit. Um, but, you know, nothing dramatic. But, you know, you we can see that, you know, um, all areas um, are you know, have done very, very well. Um, And so, but that has been from 2000 on, it has been basically an upward climb. And that's where I was suggesting that really in real estate values, even though they say the market, um, you know, took a dive uh, in, you know, the 2008 timeframe, these charts would indicate that it really didn't. Um, So we were not impacted uh, in any way, the way it was um, in the United States. So, my position is is that we've never really seen a true adjustment in um, real estate values for some in now twenty two years. So to you know to suggest that um, a major adjustment isn't uh, w- way overdue, um, I you know if anyone wants to argue with that, um, and I understand also the theory. You know, there's many people who. There are people who are well-positioned uh, for this. They have done fantastic uh, with their equity uh, in the assets that they've purchased. They have done fantastic in the stock market. And, uh, and many have also worked very well at trying to pay off their debt uh, to do a balancing act. And I know that because I have many clients that are like that. Um, however, there are many that have been just, woo, throwing the dice and rolling with all the programs and everything and buy, buy, and buy and leverage, leverage, leverage and credit card take you know, get all your credit cards maxed and, you know, get your lines of credit and then max it out. And, you know, if you you, if you're not leveraging your money, you're not spent, you're not, you know, you're not investing properly and. Just a bunch of, you know, to a certain degree, insanity, which sets up a situation for a certain aspect of the market um, that could be adversely affected. And for those, and only you know if that's you, um, yeah, uh, this is time. You've got time. Um, There's time to make some decisions. This is not... Um, You know, all of a sudden market crash city, um, but you've got an an opportunity right now, um, you know, just to kind of uh, be sensible and perhaps, um, you know, uh, shore up your financial health. And that would be uh, my recommendation uh, for all, Um, all of the strategies uh, that applied in the last, you know, 20 years, gonzo. Uh, it's a new ball game, and um, I'm going to stick by that position. And um, you know, everyone is free to have their own decision, but you know, these numbers, these charts, information, data, stats—they um, don't lie. And you know, there are people that are way smarter than I, and or you know, most. Um, that their job is to uh, do proper uh, forecasting, not just for Canada, but um, you know, for every country and globally. And I will get to that information as well. Um-